0: That's my. That's my back pill. Oh, okay. Hello. Hello. I am Miriam. Hi, Hi, Miriam. Hi, everybody. And I am a grateful member of Al-Anon in Recovery, one day at a time. And today I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Al-Anon promises, and I'll start out by reading my favorite part, which is the first line, that says. And, oh, I should qualify that it's not officially called The Promises, but unofficially called The Promises. If we willingly surrender ourselves to the spiritual discipline of the 12 steps, our lives will be transformed. Now that is saying something. So I looked up a couple of the words in these this first sentence. And the thing that really surprised me in the thesaurus was... What uh, synonyms there are for willingly, gladly, obediently, voluntarily, readily, at one's pleasure, freely, and this is my favorite, with all one's heart. I love that. With good cheer, cheerfully. So um, that that just it really did hearten me to think about that. Yes, I am willingly engaging in this amazing program that is really a map for life. And if I do that in the, to the best of my ability, which of course comes and goes and changes, then my life will be transformed. And that is true. I've been in Al-Anon for 10 years, and my life has transformed. And to give you a sense of that, I'm just going to start out with what got me into these rooms. So, I was in a relationship with a wonderful woman who I had been attracted to for 35 years. Count them, 35 years. And I had a friend who was tracking our different availabilities. You know, like, oh, you're single. Oh, she's not single. Oh, she's not single. Oh, you're single. Oh, and it went on for 35 years. And finally, she called me up and she said, I think you're both single. And I said, Oh fabulous. So she created this, like, completely intentional uh, meeting at the Dyke March that was supposed to be not planned, but of course it was planned. So, you know, deception began this relationship. And I was where I was supposed to be, and she came along, and she was higher than a kite and could really not even form a sentence. So that would have been the first red flag. (laughs) But did I pay attention to that? No, not one bit. So then she called me up like a week later and said, would you like to go hang over a bar with me? Second, big red flag flapping in the wind. Did that deter me? It did for about a half a day. And then she called back and she said, oh, I don't know, what was I thinking? Let's go out to dinner. So, okay, yeah, so I did. And I voluntarily got into a relationship with a woman who really liked to drink and liked to use. And when our very passionate connection started, I just decided to join her in it. So I tried to keep up with her drinking and using, and you know what? I didn't have it in me, thank God. But I came to realize that as I could not keep up with her enjoyment of those substances, that I would then have to criticize her for using them. And that became a cornerstone of our relationship with my disease, my Al Anon disease, thinking that I could change her. You know all these lines. If she really loved me, she would stop drinking, uh, on and on. So that didn't really work for her. Uh, imagine that. It, she became, she felt very, very judged. And I have to say she judged me just as well. So there we were, off and running in this very actively negative bonding relationship. And it was so compelling. Oh, my goodness. I think I just have to pause for a moment just to really appreciate my disease and how compelling it was to be in that relationship. And um, it felt very bent on self-destruction. And eventually, I, uh, I live on a really busy street, and uh, frequently jaywalked across the street, and I was in the median on Guerrero, and I saw a big, giant truck coming, and I thought, hmm, there's an option. I could just step in front of the truck, and all this would be over. So if you don't think al disease will kill you, I can tell you it can And it is by the grace of God that I didn't step in front of that truck. And I started really wondering what I was doing there. But it didn't help me get out. And luckily, I was living with a woman as a roommate who was in Al-Anon. And she was very compassionate as I complained to her endlessly about this woman. And she invited me to come to an Al-Anon meeting. So I did that on my 54th birthday 10 years ago. And my life has been transformed as a result of that decision. I blamed her for a good long time. In every meeting, I would quetch about her and say it was all her fault, and if only she, and I would cry and cry. And, you know, eventually I started hearing people say the thing that, one of the things that is the most important thing for me uh, that was said to me in a meeting, which is, I am my own qualifier. I don't need anybody else to be qualifying me for this program. I am it. My behaviors qualify me for being here. So that's what got me in the rooms. And what has kept me coming back is that the pain and suffering that I felt in that relationship started to lessen as I kept coming back to the rooms. And that seemed remarkable to me because I was pretty cleaved to that relationship. And it got—it was full of drama. Oh, God, I love the drama. It was all over the place. You know, she lived in Richmond, and I would be, like, driving back and forth on I-80. You know, in the middle of the night, I'd get home. She'd beg me to come back. I'd go back. I mean, you know the whole story. It's just like, whoa, so over the top. But. I did survive it and I did get out of it and I don't have anything to do with her. But I'll tell you, when I say recovery one day at a time, what I mean is every once in a while, I think, let me look at her Facebook page. <laughs> Who's she dating now? I want to know. And by the grace of God, I haven't looked yet. Thank goodness. So I do want to say a little bit about my family of origin. I did not come from a a family in which there was alcoholism. But I did come from a family that both of my parents really experienced a lot of trauma in their early life. And I believe that it affected them in ways that mimicked what it would be like had they chosen to use or drink. I don't think it's the same, But it kept them um, struggling with something that they really never found relief from, if that makes sense to you. Uh, It was roaming around. Their early traumas were really roaming around in their nervous systems. And, you know, the program has given me the ability to say they did their best. And that is an incredible gift. because. It really is because I defined myself for a lot of my adult life by the harm they did to me, their inadequacies, their pain and suffering, their uh, disapproval of me, a lot of disapproval. But at this point in my recovery, I am grateful to say that I know they did their best, And for the most part, I have forgiven them both. My mother just passed in October. And one of the lines in the promises is... Well, it says in here somewhere that we will... Oh, yes, as we gain the ability to forgive ourselves hallelujah, our families and the world, our choices will expand." And that is so powerful to contemplate and so true in my experience. My mother died in October of last year, and I had a trip planned to go there, which was already a miracle. And when I got there, she had been suffering from Alzheimer's for about five years. <clears throat> and she didn't really greet me. And I thought, oh, maybe that's the progression of the disease. But soon it became evident that she was not doing well and and not feeling well at all. So eventually we got her to the hospital, and she had pneumonia. And um, eventually it was revealed that she would not be able to fight the disease. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because... I showed up for my mother with only love in my heart. And that's because of this program that that happened. And I don't think there could be a greater gift than that. Because I spent so much of my adult life hating her. Just hating her for what she was able to give me. And I didn't feel that way at all. And it was... An incredible blessing. And I'll never I'll never forget that. It was really remarkable. And I know as Al Anons, we are encouraged in our script to give compassion and understanding to the alcoholic, which is a blessing. But I want to say that recently, how that is translating to me. Is to have compassion and understanding for myself. That I have to put myself on that same plane. If I am encouraged to bring compassion and understanding to the alcoholic, I have to bring compassion and understanding to the alanonic, moi. <sighs> so, fear will be replaced by faith. And gratitude will come naturally as we realize that our higher power is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And I did really feel that way with my mom, that higher uh, higher power was so with me the entire time. It was really amazing. And I was raised by very staunch atheists. You know, you're an idiot if you believe in God, basically, was the message I got. And they had their good reasoning for that. But, uh, sitting next to my mother as she was slipping away, my sister was there and I haven't had much of a relationship with her, but there we were sitting with her and she said, I just can't believe you're here. How did you, your trip align with her dying? How'd that happen? I said, divine providence. And she looked at me and I said, I believe in God. <laughs> And she said, I do, too. (laughs) We didn't want my mother, who was dying, to hear us. And we didn't want my father to hear us at all, for sure. (laughs) I once was driving the car with both of them, and my father sneezed. And I said, oh, bless you, Daddy. And he looked at me with horror, and he said, bless me? Where did you get that? I said, oh, you know, California. I live in California now. Because I grew up, and you'd say, Gesundheit, to your health, you know. And he just looked at me. And unfortunately, he was still driving and looking at me like that. And I was worried for my safety. And he said, oh, no, do you believe in God? I said, I'm so sorry I do. And he turned around and looked at my mother in the back seat, and she was just going like this. I'll tell you, it was harder to come out as a person of faith than a lesbian. (sighs) Anyway, what are you going to do? You know, I feel lucky. I feel lucky. So, let's see. Yes, so what I wanted to really talk about, my favorite part. No longer terrified, we will discover we are free to delight in life's paradox, mystery, and awe. Wow, that's pretty cool. And I looked up paradox, and uh, the the easiest definition. I gotta say, I was looking in an actual dictionary. When's the last time you actually looked in a dictionary? There are so many words; it like takes forever to find the word. It just like, oh my gosh, was a flash to the past. Anyway, so paradox, seeming contradiction, right? So here we're gonna delight in a seeming contradiction? What's that about? I don't know. Really? Yes. So, I can I can tell you that that recently happened to me. I live on on the busy street of Guerrero, above a restaurant, next door to a restaurant, another restaurant, restaurants everywhere. Many, 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 many happy people drinking on the sidewalk in front of my house, smoking on the sidewalk in front of my house, chatting, chatting, chatting. In my doorway, I hear entire conversations. So I get a little weary of that, you can imagine, and I also have a big judgment about what's happening in San Francisco, and a big judgment about these young tech people, no offense to anyone here who might be a young tech person, but uh, it's like, my town is disappearing, where are my people, I can't stand it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so. I come home from a long day of grocery shopping. I have a kabillion groceries to take up my 25 stairs. I'm disabled. It's challenging. It's just one bag up one stair, one bag up one stair, you know. I get weary of that as well. And so there were these young people standing out in front of my house, and they looked like they were having a good time. And, in fact, I noticed they were holding these little sippy cups that had cocktails in them. And of course, I thought that was pretty funny because they're pretty young and they're still using sippy cups, but <laughs> just proves my point. <laughs> so I turned to them, two young women and a young man, and I said, would you like to help me? And they said, sure. And as soon as they should sure, I could smell the smell of liquor on their breaths, like they'd been at those sippy cups for a while. And sometimes that bothers me, but in this case, it really didn't. So there's one paradox. And uh, so two of them handed the sippy cups to the young guy, And the two young women trotted up a ton of groceries up my stairs. And I said, just go to the left, that's where the kitchen is. But I realized all the lights were off, so they got completely lost in my flat. (laughs) And I thought, oh, I've invited ax murderers into my home. They're stealing from me, blah, blah, blah. No, they were just drunk and in my flat, roaming around. But then they came downstairs finally, and I shook their hands, looked them in the eye, thanked them so much, and felt extremely grateful, and even complimented them on their sippy cups. (laughs) And therein lies the paradox. So on one hand, I'm cursing all these young techies for ruining my town, and on the other hand, I am connecting with them, receiving from them, grateful to them, seeing them as individuals who have a good heart and a good intention, And that is liberating to me to be able to let go of that harsh judgment that I have about these kids and ask them for help in full humility and receive their help with gratitude and then connect with them as individuals. This to me is totally amazing and absolutely a product of the program. I have no doubt about it. So the promise of being able to delight in paradox actually came true for me. And I was talking about this with a fellow, and he said, oh, you know what they say, God lives in the paradoxes. And I think it was true and truly revealed to me, and I'm very, very grateful for that. And there's plenty of paradox in the world. I mean, so much paradox all the time, every minute. So if we can delight in it, how fabulous. Now, in terms of mystery and awe, I have another little story. Some of you have heard this, but it bears repeating. So I go to a chiropractor out by the ocean. So every week I'm at the ocean and I go to above the Sutro Baths, that big parking lot. And there's this wonderful trail that you can take to see the Golden Gate Bridge. And there I am with my walker, like making it up that hill and doing it and looking at the vistas and so proud of myself. And when I took this walk on Thursday, I was completely annoyed that anyone else was on that path. Like, get off of my path. And that they were looking at their phones every 30 seconds. Well, I judge them for that. That they there was this little newborn baby within her head wasn't covered. And I just really wanted to go up to that new mommy and say, what are you doing? You have to cover the head of a new baby. What are you thinking? Instead, what did I say? Congratulations. That's it. And I kept walking and there were so many things that were annoying me that people put on so much perfume to come and be in nature and I just don't know what people are thinking. I don't know what people are thinking. So here I am consumed by my own disease as I'm in this magnificent place judging people about their in the magnificent place. Lord have mercy. Anyway, so on the way back, There's a tree that I have a relationship with. And I lean into the tree, and the tree completely grounds me into the earth. And I feel absolutely received by this tree and embraced. And just so, I felt so at one with this tree. I know, I'm from California, what can I say? And I'm leaning into it, and the breeze is on me, and all those thoughts disappeared. So as I was in the mystery and awe of the moment and connecting with my higher power in the form of this tree, I was delighting in life's mystery and awe. And it could happen together. Again, another paradox. In one moment, I'm like cursing everyone around me and completely preoccupied, not even noticing the ocean. And then at the next moment, I'm relieved of all that suffering, and I believe that is what, this is a promise that really can come true and came true for me in that moment. And as I was walking back to the parking lot, I was looking out at the ocean in that kind of, you know, zen state of serenity, equanimity, and I saw a whale jump out of the ocean, a whale. I've lived here for 42 years. I've been looking for whales all this time. There's the whale. And I just felt like that was a treat from God. You know, like, yeah, you got it? Okay, here you go. Here's another special thing. And I wanted to say to all these people around me looking at their phones, look, a whale. But, you know, I just didn't. I just kept it for myself. So the thing I'd like to close with is my favorite slogan. Let go or be dragged. (laughs) Thank you.